3,000 years, man has searched for the lost Ark of the Covenant. The Bible speaks of the Ark leveling mountains and laying waste to entire regions. Not something to be taken lightly. No one knows its secrets. Jones, do you realize what the Ark is? It's a transmitter. It's a radio for speaking to God. An army which carries the Ark before it is invincible. The Ark, if it is their Atanis, then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. It is protected by forces beyond imagination. It is desired above all treasures on Earth by those who are good, trust me, and those who are evil. I tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Let her go. If you still want the Ark, it has been loaded onto a truck for Cairo. Raiders of the Lost Ark. A film from Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. Right. I am Dan. And I am Faith. It has been a minute. It has been a minute. It's been a few minutes. A little bit. It's been what, maybe six months? It's been maybe six months. We had to pry ourselves away from the television. I was watching Top Gun Maverick on an endless (laughs) loop. Over and over and over again. Over and over and over. But I'm better now, and we're back with new content. We would like to welcome one and all to the Late Night Fright Horror and Sci-Fi Movie Podcast right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Cozy Corner, it's not a real place, it's a state of mind. Welcome one and all. Thank you for being so patient, all 12 of you. (laughs) It means a lot. We would like to welcome you back to the program. We would especially like to welcome the Louisiana Public Broadcasting Deputy Director, Matt Tessier. He is a fan of the show. We graduated high school together, and he has been listening. Matt, welcome. Is is this one for him? This might be for him. Okay. This might be for him. Glad you're with us, Matt. Glad all of you out there are with us. So tonight, we have a movie that is not exactly a horror movie. It is if you if you were in a blockbuster back in the day and you were browsing through the horror section, you would not find this film in the horror section. Where would you find it, Faith? You'd find it probably in the adventure, adventure action, 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 yeah. action section. This is a classic. This is an absolute classic of a movie. You just heard the trailer, so you already know what the movie is. 
But it's amazing listening to that trailer. Two things. So I'm going to say what I've thought about it first, and then I want you to say what you said as we were listening to it. When you listen to that trailer, just you know the audio of it, you get such a sense of what that film is just mm-hmm. just from hearing it, right? Like right. you know what kind of movie that is. And then really interesting, you said something. Go ahead and say what you said about it. Well, first off, I've never I've never seen the trailer or heard the trailer. So that was my first time actually hearing it. And I'm like, wow, just listening to it, this this gives off horror movie vibes. Horror movie vibes, which is why we're we're doing this. Mm-hmm. We're doing Raiders of the Lost Ark tonight, the Steven Spielberg film that introduced audiences to the character of Indiana Jones. I would say one of the most beloved characters in all of film history. Yes. I think he was voted number two on the hero list uh, when they did the top 50 heroes and villains about 20 years ago. That's the fair. AFI. Very fair. Yeah. Harrison had Han Solo and Indiana Jones <laughs> on that list. How did we get here? Why are we doing this? This is a horror and sci-fi movie podcast. Why are we talking about one of the greatest action adventure movies ever made? Well, there is a video by a gentleman named Rob Ager on the YouTube, and I stumbled upon it one day, and the name of this video is The Hidden Depths of Indiana Jones, and I watched it, and I was so taken with it. Showed it to Faith. You got real taken with it, too. And one of the things that he was talking about is how dark the movie is and how, how horrific parts of it really are. And I got to thinking, I was like, that movie really does have some absolutely horrific parts to it. And and we watched it and it's okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to concede it's not a horror movie, but man, there is some horrific horror movie type stuff in this film. Yeah. It's, it's really creepy. It is. And I think sometimes per, I've seen this movie plenty of times at this point. And I think it gets overlooked because you, you watch temple of doom and that's, that's where, like, um, for me, that's got some horrific stuff in it. Absolutely, so I, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like maybe this, the stuff in here sometimes just gets a gets little... Gets a little overlooked, yeah. yeah. It, it really functions as a ghost story. It does. There is, there is a sense of dread over over this thing, and and legitimately creepy film. Like, there is some some creepy stuff. So a quick, quick story. My introduction to Raiders of the Lost Ark goes back to when it, around the time it came back. My uncle, who I, who I love and adore and introduced me to horror films and all kinds of different movies. When I think of movies, I think of, of him. He was, my, he was my gateway into so many things that I love today. And uh, Raiders is like his favorite movie of all time. And he's, he, he claims he saw it like eight times in the theater when it came out. So this is at the dawn of the home video revolution. And for one Christmas, I think it was Christmas of 82, because it came out in 81, and it got released on video the next year. So this is like you know VHS copy cost like a hundred dollars in 1982 dollars yeah in 82 and that was his big christmas gift that year he got you know this nice copy of raiders and we put it on and we started watching it so it was christmas eve 82 i guess would be when i started when i saw it for the first time and i loved star wars and this bothered me (laughs) like the beginning when he goes into the temple Mm -hmm. bothered me and I distinctly remember the uh, the guide he has going in when he comes out of that temple and he's there, he's dead with those arrows, you know, and he and he falls over. Bothered me, you know, and and, and it should, <laughs> it should, yeah. And there's so there's a real sense of of horror to this, you know, and it, 
And the thing is, like, this is not a. It it falls under the family friendly category of movies. I don't think it's very family friendly myself. I don't. I don't think. That I, don't, it is. I don't. I don't think it is. So we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about uh, ten things you may or may not have known about this movie. We're going to talk about five things that struck us watching the movie, non horror related. Then we're going to talk about five reasons why we we believe that this really is a horror movie. Why this is just I I think it's if it's been a while since you've seen it. We kept commenting while we were watching it. Mm-hmm. I, I kept looking. I would pause and go, "This is creepy. Like it is <laughs> yes. seriously, legitimately creepy." And if you go into it, you know, thinking of it like, you know, is it an action movie with horrific overtones, or is it a horror movie with, with action, action movie overtones? <laughs> I think the answer is. There's a lot of different genres hanging out mm-hmm. in this movie. This is why this is one of the greatest movies ever. I think personally think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Let's talk a little bit about the particulars of this. Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was released on June 12, 1981. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, you know him, don't you? Um, a little bit. A little bit, little yeah. Bit. He did that movie uh, with the dinosaurs. Hmm. I think. Okay. And that okay. shark. Uh, the screenplay, uh, well, the story is by George Lucas. George Lucas, of course, is the gentleman that uh, directed, wrote and directed Star Wars. He also wrote and directed American Graffiti, THX 1138, Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace, Star Wars Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. That's his entire filmography. That's 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 everything that he's directed. Uh, he's also produced some films, uh, this being one of them. And what we get here, we get two real geniuses right at the height of their power. Right at the height. I mean, this is uh, Spielberg's coming off of Jaws and Close Encounters. He's also coming off of a little movie called 1941 nobody ever talks about because he doesn't like to talk about it. And George is coming off of uh, Star Wars and then also Empire Strikes Back, even though he didn't direct that. He did uh, help in the writing and he produced it. So really, it's not his film, but it's his film. And But these, these are two guys at the peak of their artistic mm-hmm. powers, and they're coming together to do this with a guy who is on the rise, who's who's part of their club. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about him a little bit tonight. So. Story is by George Lucas. He came up with the character. And Philip Kaufman, the filmmaker who directed The Right Stuff, among many other fine works, uh, he contributed The Ark of the Covenant. We're going to talk a little bit about that when we get to 10 things you may or may not know about the movie. The screenplay is by Lawrence Kasdan. He uh, is the writer-director of Silverado and The Big Chill and Body Heat. He also wrote The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens. And he was discovered by Spielberg when he wrote a movie called Continental Divide. Now, many of you out there may not know what this movie, Continental Divide, is. It was actually the first movie that Steven Spielberg's production company, Amblin. You know Amblin, don't you, Faith? Mm-hmm. There it is. It's Amblin. And what they got? They got the moon and they got Elliot and E.T. Just, just, just <laughs> flying yeah. right across that moon with the bike. And the first movie produced by the Amblin Entertainment Company was this movie called Continental Divide that was written by... Lawrence Kasdan. It was directed by Michael Ritchie, starred Blair Brown as uh, she's an eagle expert. She's living in the Rockies. And the lead of the picture is John Belushi in his only non-comedic role. I say non-comedic. It's a romantic comedy, Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not like a broad comedy, like a like a Bluto from Animal House. (laughs) 
And why are we talking about this movie? Well, we love John Belushi sure here do. on the show. Yeah, we 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 adore him. And uh, if you haven't seen this movie, do yourself a favor and watch this movie. This is a fine, fine movie. And I say romantic comedy, but I don't want that to turn you off. If you're listening to this, you probably like horror movies. And if you're like us, you probably don't really like the romantic comedies right. too much, right? This is a cut above the oh, rest. Yeah. It's it's not just a romantic comedy. It's really how good is Belushi it's, in the movie? He's incredible. Yeah. It's it's so nice to see him outside of, you know, comedy. Like it's he's so good. The sky was the limit for John. Nope. Sure was. Uh check out Continental Vibe. But this was uh written by Lawrence Kasdan. It was produced by Frank Marshall. Uh let's talk about the cast. Harrison Ford. Who's that? He's a guy. <laughs> Harrison Ford's in this. He plays Indiana Jones. Karen Allen, the one and only Karen Allen, plays Marion Ravenwood. That's a great name, isn't it? It is. Marion Ravenwood. Paul Freeman is Renee Belloc. Ronald Lacey is Arnold Tote. He's the gentleman that wears the black trench coat in the movie. Ronald Lacey was an actor, and then he couldn't get any work as an actor, so he became an agent, and then he came out of agent agenting, I guess you'd say, <laughs> to do this movie, which is which is pretty okay. cool. Now, if you look at him, it's really cool. There's a universal movie called Invisible Agent, which is part of the Invisible Man series in the classic Universal Monster cycle. And Peter Lorre, the great Peter Lorre, who was in the movie Casablanca, which is an influence on this, played a character in that movie. He was actually a Japanese spy. But if you look at him, he I, a lot of people have said they kind of based the look of Arnold Tote on the Peter Laurie character from Invisible Agent. And I, sh- I showed you a picture. What did you think of it? Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah it's, it's like you see it and you go, oh yeah. oh, yeah. And they showed Invisible Agent recently on Spinguli, and in one of the bumpers, he actually said that that they, they based the look on it. So he kind of confirmed that okay. for us. But it, before he said it, I was watching him, and I was like, oh, that's, that's the guy from Raiders. <laughs> like... We got the great John Reese Davies, a solid. Uh, John Reese Davies is wonderful in uh, in the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. He's he's great in everything he's in. You know, uh, comic book movies are all the rage. John Reese Davies holds a unique uh, uh, position. He, he has a unique title. He was the first actor to play the Kingpin from, oh, wow. from the Daredevil. That's uh, very cool. Yeah, it was a, a TV movie, uh, The Incredible Hulk, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, and okay. they were going to try and make that into a Daredevil series, and he was going to be. Yeah, the big bad guy. He was mm-hmm. great too as the ping, as the kingpin, That's like, very cool. as you can imagine. Yeah, he's always great. I like him a lot. Got that great big booming voice, oh, right? He does. Right. And how great is it that they have him singing um, uh, Gilbert and Sullivan throughout throughout the movie? <laughs> you know, he, he loves to break out in the song. He's a great character. He's a great presence in this movie he too. Is. Another great presence is Denholm Elliott as Marcus Brody. He's kind of Indy's mentor and conscience in this. He's great. Uh, he actually delivered, he's not in it much. He delivers some of my favorite moments in the film. We're going to talk about those. Wolf Collar is Dietrich, the Nazi. Eh, the damn Nazis. Anthony Higgins is Gobbler or Gobbler. I don't know. We're going to call him Gobbler because the Nazis, well, they deserve that. <laughs> and then we've got uh, Don Fellows and William Hootkins as Musgrove and Eaton. They're the Laurel and Hardy-esque U.S. agents that task Indiana Jones. With Finding the Ark of the Covenant, this movie was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And in 1999, the Library of Congress selected it for preservation in the National Film Registry. I would say it's pretty good. Do you think it's pretty good? I think it's very good. I think it's pretty good. Why don't we give a little synopsis of the movie, and then we'll get into 10 things you may or may not know about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Either a horrific action adventure or an action adventure with horrific overtones. We'll let you be the judge. Here we go. 
Our story opens in the jungles of South America. The year is 1936. Archaeologist Indiana Jones leads a group to a Peruvian temple where he evades booby traps and a really big ball as he recovers a golden fertility idol. His success is short-lived as he is greeted at the temple entrance by rival Rene Belloc, who takes the idol and orders the native tribe to kill Indy. Indy escapes by way of a seaplane, and in the process we learn that the good doctor suffers from ophidiophobia, the fear of snakes, just like the two hosts of the Late Night Friday. Jones is tasked by the U.S. government with retrieving the lost Ark of the Covenant, the chest containing the original Ten Commandments. His quest leads him to Nepal, where he meets former lover Marion Ravenwood, who has the headpiece to the Staff of Ra, an amulet used to determine the Ark's resting location. Indy, along with his friend Sala, find the Ark, but the Nazis, aided by Belloc, take it from him. Indy is able to recover it, and as he and Marion make their way by boat to England, the Nazis once again claim it as their own and make their way to an island off the coast of Greece by submarine. Little do they know, Jones is stowed away aboard the submarine and threatens to blow the Ark to pieces unless the Nazis release Marion to him. Indy relents, and he and Marion are witness to the Nazis opening the Ark. Indy tells Marion to close her eyes. The Ark lays waste to the Nazis, and frees Indy and Marion. Back in America, the government has taken possession of the Ark, but won't let Indy know where it is. As he and Marion walk to get a drink, the picture closes as the Ark is sealed in a wooden box and stored in a warehouse, a warehouse that contains many other boxes, leaving one to wonder, what exactly does the government have their hands on? There you go. Welcome back. That was a that was a very bare bones synopsis of of the film, but uh, pretty effective. We're going to talk about uh, the script because the script is absolutely perfect in this movie. I'll I'll explain that as we get into it. But here we have ten things you may or may not know about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Faith, you have the list in front of you. Number one, please. Raiders of the Lost Ark was inspired by the Republic Picture serials of the 1930s and 40s. Indeed, indeed it was, as was uh, Star Wars to an extent. Star Wars was more inspired by the Flash Gordon serials, and Indy really came more out of those Republic Pictures uh, movies uh, entitled Darkest Africa and Spy Smasher, so that should tell you... Tell you uh, uh, what what those kind of movies were. Uh, A word about the serials, so... We we don't do this anymore. What was a day at the movie like? Day at the movies like back in the day. Well, you would go. You would pay. You know whatever the 
where the price was. But, uh, you know, like in the afternoon, you'd go in and you'd get a cartoon, you know, mm-hmm. a cartoon, maybe two. And so that's about 20 minutes. Then you get a cereal and the cereals were about 15 to 20 minutes each. And they'd usually be like 12 to 16 parts. So now you're at about 20, 40 minutes. You get maybe a newsreel because, you know, back in the day, you know, even back in the day, people, a lot of people didn't have TVs, mm-hmm. you know, right. it was radio. So this is, you know, you're, you're seeing the news and mm-hmm. then you get like two pictures, you know, and a picture and a B picture. That's where B movie comes from. And those, uh, and the double features would be about 60 to 70 minutes. If you look at the old universal movies, the old monster movies, some of those movies were the B pictures. So they're about 65 to 70 minutes. So that's a pretty good day out. Right. Right. And what killed the cereal? Well, television killed the cereal because then they just started <laughs> putting these kind of things on TV and cereals are where the term cliffhanger comes from. So that's pretty cool. So kind of a nice look back. So, so the movie is a piece of history and is also kind of homaging yeah. history in a way, you know, film history, which right. is really cool. Uh, here's some fun trivia. Uh, if you know your Star Wars, the name of Commander Cody, the clone trooper who first appears in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, he would go on to appear in the Clone Wars TV series. He shares a similar name with the serial character Commando Cody of the Rocketman serials. And it's not here on the notes, but I'll go ahead and say this. There was a character named Idaho Jones who was kind of an inspiration on at least the name of Indiana Jones. He was in uh, he was a character in two serials that Republic produced. So uh, really cool. If you're That's interested cool. in the serials, a lot of them are on YouTube. So get on Wikipedia, look up the serials. They have them actually listed by... Um, studio which is cool. Oh, cool and you can get on and you can watch some of those on youtube uh some of those are free on some of the roku channels like b movie tv or uh b movie tv i think has them but betamax tv definitely has them just do a search for them you'll you'll find them out there if that's something to interest you it's they're really it's really cool i'd it's, like it's, to check them out it's a really cool little world they're actually very historic superman made his live action appearance in a serial being played by kirk allen captain america made his live action appearance in a serial. So did Batman. That's so, awesome. so yeah, yeah. So they're a little piece of history mm-hmm. and it's a little piece of history that we've kind of lost a little bit, you know, uh, day out. The movie was a real day out at the movie, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's kind of cool. I think we've lost a little bit of that. Yeah, we have that, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for that, uh, ceremony in yeah. a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Darkest Africa Spy, uh, Spy Smasher. I want to watch them. I, I want to watch them. <laughs> Number two. James Bond is Indy's dad, literally and figuratively. Absolutely. So Sean Connery would play Indy, uh, Indy's dad in The Last Crusade. We all love The Last Crusade. And and how how fun is he in oh, that movie? He's so fun. <laughs> and it's like, who can intimidate Harrison Ford? Not a lot of people. Dad. Sean Connery, Absolutely. <laughs> So the character of Indy, he owes as much to the adventure serials that we just talked about of the 30s and 40s as he does to James Bond, specifically the Connery iteration that made his debut in 1962's Dr. No. And James Bond, not only is he an influence on the character of Indy, he's an influence on the series as a whole. It came to be because Lucas not only loved these serials, loved the James Bond movies and wanted to do something like James Bond. And this happened because Steven Spielberg. So here's the story. If you're a real cinephile, you know this already, but they go to Hawaii when they have a picture opening <laughs> to get away. And they were building a sandcastle on the on the beaches of Hawaii because Star Wars was opening. So 
This is like May of 77, and George goes, okay, great. Yeah, the movie's a hit. Yay! <laughs> and, uh, and he turns his attention to Spielberg. What are you going to do, Steve? And he's like, uh, and Steven Spielberg says, I want to uh, direct a James Bond movie. That's what I want to get my hands on. He's like, no, I got something better than that. <laughs> and it was a little, uh, it was a character named Indiana Smith. We will get to that in just a bit. So I haven't uh, heard Lucas in a while. Yeah, I used to do George a lot. Yay, yeah. yay. We're going to make Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then we're going to make The Temple of Doom, the most metal movie of all time. <laughs> all right, Faith, number three. Scrooge McDuck contributed a little something-something to the classic introduction to the movie. Sure did. So there's a comic book artist and writer named Carl Banks. If you're a comic book fan and you're not familiar with Carl Banks' work, I, I highly recommend that you get in touch with Carl Banks' work. If you're on any of the digital platforms like Comixology, they have volumes of this guy's stuff. So he did the Donald Duck cartoons for Disney, and he, he created the character of Scrooge McDuck. And these things, I've read a few of them, are so much fun. And funny enough, my, my introduction to this world was through one of my other uncles. Uh, two of them were talking one day about the duck cartoons, or, the, or comic books, I should say. And it was like, wow, what is that? I remember as a kid, like, what is that? That's cool. <laughs> you know. And um, anyway, uh, but check those out. But there is indeed... Uh, uh, one of those books. I have it right here. It's Uncle Scrooge, number seven, The Seven, seven Cities of Cibola. They said that's the inspiration for the beginning where they have the booby traps and the rolling boulder in the temple scene that opens this picture. So they uh, definitely, you know, paid homage to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you need, you know, any more evidence that they were paying homage to it, George Lucas wrote the forward for the 1982 collection of Carl Banks stories that came out. So he's, he's on record as saying he's a fan. And uh, also, uh, Carl Banks uh, influenced him on Star Wars, too, with the depiction of aliens and things like that. So okay. those are really cool. If you, That's very and, cool. Uh, you just got to make the time to get your, your, your hands on them. So, and you can probably find them at your local public library. That's very cool. Imagine. All right. Number four. Tom Selleck was cast as Indy. He sure was. Now, now there's, a, there's a story that he was the first choice for Indy. He was not the first choice for Indy. Who was the first choice for Indy? The first choice for Indy was Harrison Ford. Steven Spielberg saw a work print of The Empire Strikes Back. They were looking for Indy, and Steven said to George, George, that's Indiana Jones. And specifically, it was the famous scene where, Faith, would you like to reenact it here? And you know the famous scene from Empire, the I love you scene, right? <laughs> yes. So would you play the part of Princess Leia? Of and I will be... Harrison Ford, well, I'm not because he, he's not Han Solo. It's Harrison Ford, right? It's yes. All right, so the music's only na 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 na. Go ahead. I love you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he saw that and said, uh, "That's Indiana Jones. That's the man. <laughs> that's that's the man." And George Lucas said, mm, "No, I don't think so. I don't want him to be my Bobby De Niro." What does he mean by Bobby De Niro? Well, Robert De Niro famously has worked with Martin Scorsese over and over and over again. He's the right. actor most identified with Scorsese, even though he's made just as many uh, pictures with Leonardo DiCaprio. But for some reason, yeah, I don't want him to be my Bobby De Niro. And um, <laughs> so Steven Spielberg said, well, okay. <laughs> and they went through a, a pretty arduous casting process, and they talked to a lot of people. Tim Matheson from Animal House uh, mm -hmm. was one of the great... Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. I like Tim Matheson. He's a lot of fun, yeah, he's isn't he? Cool. Um, so Tom Selleck was cast, but he had to pull out because of a contractual obligation to the television series Magnum P.I. And three weeks before filming, Spielberg got his man. The rest <laughs> is history. 
Uh, if Tom Selleck had been in the movie, the part of Marion Ravenwood would have been played by Sean Young, and she would go on to star in Harrison Ford's next movie, Blade Runner, and he got that movie because of his performance in Raiders, so it's funny how things work out. I want to talk a little bit more about Tom Selleck when we talk about Harrison in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those kind of nice historical what ifs, right. I think, and and I, I have a thought on it, okay. I, and I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna run it by you. I don't want to see what yeah, you think. Because I was gonna ask, but we'll save it. Yeah. for the Harrison. We'll talk because we are because he's a he's a uh, subject all into himself. <laughs> Number five, Faith. Filmmaker Philip Kaufman contributed the Ark of the Covenant to the screenplay. He sure did. He heard about the sacred relic from his doctor when he was a little boy, and I do want to go over some of his credits. These are uh, some of my favorite movies and one we've done here on the show. So uh, The Outlaw Josie Wales from 1976 with Clint Eastwood. Uh, If you've not seen that movie, that is uh, one of the greatest films ever made, straight up. Uh, The Right Stuff from 1983. That's about the uh, it's about Chuck Yeager and then also about the beginnings of the space program. If you've not seen that, that is one of the finest films ever made. And the 1979 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's a movie that we have talked about here on this show, a movie we both Really, enjoy. really, really like as a creepy haunting movie. Um, check out the episode we did on that. But um, uh, fine movie. He's he's made some really great movies. But he he con- at one point he was going to direct this, but he contributed the Ark of the Covenant to the screenplay. And I think that relic is what helps give this some of its character. And we're gonna because we're gonna talk about the Ark when we talk about the horror elements here yes. in this. And trust me, uh, hang with us. We were getting to the to the horror elements. Number six, Faith. Senator John Blutarski, Michael Jackson, and Indiana Jones all share the same tailor. Sure do. Deborah Nadulman, she's the wife of John Landis. She was a costume designer for this movie, so she helped kind of pick, she kind of, she did help pick out the wardrobe. She also helped Harrison Ford age the jacket and oh, the hat. Cool. Yeah, like they sat out, like he took out his Swiss Army knife by the pool and they and he started, they okay. aged that jacket. And had she had him sit on the hat and, and things like that, so it looked lived in. But uh, yeah, she, uh, so many credits, but I mean, she, Animal House, you know, John Blutarski, that was Bluto, played by, as we mentioned, John Belushi, and, and <laughs> Michael Jackson on Thriller videos, so she did... She did that. So That's number cool. number seven, Faith. Senator John Blutarski is also responsible for the casting of Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood. So Steven Spielberg really, really liked Animal House. Uh, a lot of people really liked Animal House. We really like Animal <laughs> House here on the Late Night Fright. And as we said, Sean Young was going to be, she screen tested with Tom Selleck and they had nice chemistry and she was going to be Marion if he played the role. And when they cast Harrison Ford three weeks before principal photography, he put Karen Allen there because he said they both have the same glint in their eye. And I think she is dead on perfect in this movie. Oh, dead absolutely. on perfect in this movie. So number eight. John Williams wrote two themes for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. So the story goes that he wrote the dun 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 dun, dun and he played it for Steven Spielberg and he flipped for it because who wouldn't? Right? Uh, you hear that music, you, you flip it's for it. It's one of my right? favorites. It's one, it's one everybody's favorite. Right. And then he's like, that's it. And he goes, well, wait, I got another one. And, and the other one was, bum ba bum ba da And he goes, I want that one, too. And so they made that part, the bridge, to, to the to the original okay. part. And the world is a better place for it. Absolutely. Number nine. This is my favorite one. You like this one? Because it's interesting. Cheese casserole makes snakes snakier. The great legendary sound designer Ben Burt worked on Star all of the sounds from the Star Wars universe. Okay, 
come from Ben Burt. You know, he's a, I actually think the man is a genius. Uh, I, I, mean, I think he's yeah. a genius. I mean, uh, look, uh, look him up, uh, look him up on YouTube. Just listen. He's a nice, humble man. He seems to like, but just, he's a problem solver. And, and he, and he, uh, you know, has created a sound library. He's created With a sound casserole. library. <laughs> the snakes in the well of souls. Uh, one of the reasons this is an absolute horror movie. Uh, oh God, yes. The sound of those snakes slithering is Ben Burt putting his hand in cheese casserole and squishing it. I would never think have about that. the level of awesomeness that takes to to right. To That's what I'm saying. Get it's, to that point, it's you know. So cool. Isn't that cool? That's cool. <laughs> we got one more on this list. Number ten. Number 10, Major Eaton, the larger of the two government agents that task Indy with finding the Ark, also flew for the Rebel Alliance in their offensive against the Death Star. He sure did. William Hookins, uh, the late William Hookins, he was a great character actor. What a face, too, right? Oh, he yeah. played uh, Porkins. He was, he, he was the large Rebel Alliance uh, pilot in the original Star Wars. He also played Eckhart in Tim Burton's uh, 1989 Batman film. He was the one that Jack Nicholson famously asked, you know, you ever think about the future? So uh, great, great actor. He's great here, too. Yeah, he Every, is. Everybody in this cast is is really, really awesome. Oh, yeah. So there you go. Ten things you may or may not have known about Raiders of the Lost Ark. What we tried to do, I, you know, some things... I'm sure you've heard before if you know anything about the film, but try to have some fun with it, you know, maybe some yeah. things you hadn't heard before. So let's talk about the movie, Faith. Um, we have five things here mm -hmm. that that we're going to talk about, but uh, just kind of general. Uh, I've seen this movie so many times, so it's kind of old hat on one hand, and then when we put it on and we were watching it specifically for those horror tones, I tried to divorce myself from previous viewings of it mm -hmm. and watch it with as fresh eyes as I could, which is hard when you've seen a movie 40 times, you know? <laughs> um, what did you think of, of the movie? Cause it had been a while since I'd actually sat down and watched this. It'd been a few okay. years. And, oh, okay. It's, it's been more yeah. recent than that for okay. me. Uh, this, this franchise in general is one that I put on when, when I just don't know what else to watch, but like I said earlier, re-watching it, you overlook those horror things sometimes. And, and watching it again, it's like, wow, this is really a creepy movie. I love it so much. Yeah. Uh, I I was I was kind of I was really dumbfounded by it. Uh, how how good it is, you know. And this oh, is yeah. forty over forty years old now. And I was part of me was going, wow. And then the other part of me was going, this is creepy. Like, exactly. It really is. It really is a creepy movie. And uh, we're gonna get to that. Uh, I promise, we're gonna get to that. Um, I, I love it. I think, I think I really do. I think this is one of the greatest movies ever made. I agree. Um, Matt, uh, uh, deputy director, Matt Tessie of the Louisiana public broadcasting <laughs> company. Uh, my sister works with him and he said, Oh, they're they're Cause he heard we were doing this. And he says, Oh, they're just doing movies that Dan likes. Yep. Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we sway you though. I, I hope, I hope, I hope we sway you. So it's kind of cool, right? We're like, we're like, we're arguing a point here. Right. <laughs> arguing is a harsh word. We're uh, presenting an argument. Yeah, we should there you say. go. He's a lawyer. He'll appreciate that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> He's one of the few that I like. The lawyers. Yeah. Damn it. Good guy. All right. Five things, five talking points here. Uh, number one, this script is perfect. Yeah. The script is absolutely perfect. Let me tell you why it's perfect. I studied screenwriting at LSU. Go Tigers. And uh, 
my screenwriting professor, Rick Blackwood, uh, great guy, eccentric guy, a lot of fun to be around, uh, uh, weird in all the right ways. Uh, he was a, uh, former, uh, was he a range? No, he wasn't a range. He was a Green Beret. He was Green Beret. And he also did wargaming for the Pentagon. So he was like oh, wow. <laughs> really cool. But then like super liberal and like like the sweetheart of a guy on the other. There was it was there was a lot of there was a lot of depth to Rick Blackwood. It but, sounds like it. But what he had us do, he had us do a breakdown of Raiders of the Lost Ark the script and and the act structure and then the beats, as they call them, the story beats. This thing is perfect. The first 10 minutes of the movie set up the movie um the first 10 minutes of this movie are the movie because let's talk about what happens in the first 10 minutes of this movie indy risks life and limb to get an artifact indy gets the artifact belloc takes the artifact from him indy has to run that's what happens in this movie that i mean think about it that that is what plays out over this movie but it's not just that it's the setups and the payoffs setups and payoffs and the and and they have uh the exposition scene is handled so wonderfully. And this really falls in the number five point here, but um, Spielberg directs it so well. So even like the scene with the exposition where Indy's talking about the Ark of the Covenant and what it is, that could be really boring, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you've seen movies where the movie comes to a grinding halt when, oh, they, yeah. when they tell you like what, what we need to do. And it's done, it's handled so efficiently and effectively and you get all the information you need as you need it. Nothing in this movie everything happens because of it's not like, and then this happened and then this happened. And it's every, there's cause and effect throughout the whole thing and everything is just set up so perfectly. And then you get that wonderful ending, you know, that, that X files kind of ending with all those crates, you know, which is one of my favorite things in the movie. But, um, this is, it's the the script is killer. Everything is there on the page. Right. Like, I, I think so. I, I, yeah, I think I, it is. Yeah, I totally I agree. I think it is. I was actually reading somebody. Um, I was just kind of doing some research for the show. And um, a, a guy wrote an article. And he was basically spot on with you about Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. Yeah. Like, it's so perfect. Yeah. The, and, and so if you want to know where the act breaks are, if you're a writer, if you're an aspiring writer, I should say, uh, screenwriter, uh, 30 minutes, 30 minutes for act one. So at 30 minutes you, you're done and you should have introduced your main character, introduced the goal, introduced the inciting incident, what's going to happen. So at 30 minutes in Raiders, uh, Marion Ravenwood says, I'm your goddamn partner. I think it's pretty much like spot on. And then, right. so they're off on the adventure. And then the second act is Indy getting the arc, mm-hmm. you know? And then the third act is, is the resolution of everything. They, uh, the Nazis get it back. They go to the Island. Mm-hmm. Then the arc ends up, you know, uh, in, we come to find out Area 51, you know, <laughs> in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I claim that movie. A lot of fans don't claim that movie. I, I like that one. I, I, do don't, too. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> but the script is perfect. So you've got you've got everything working on the page. So the blueprints there. So then, okay, so number two on my list of what I want to talk about is the character of Indiana Jones. What a great character. So where do we meet him, Faith? In the jungle. In the jungle. And... <laughs> We don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy, nope. right? He's framed in shadow. Yep. He he goes through this temple. He collects this idol. He runs from the big ball. He he escapes from Belloc. Yeah. Okay. So this is what kills me in like the span of like a minute. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> like between minutes ten and eleven in this movie, we just saw him navigate this this temple. Okay. 
he's smart and you see how smart he is and how cunning he is. Right. Uh-huh. And then he, he runs from the big ball. He <laughs> runs from the natives. He escapes from Belloc. And then he's scared of snakes. We find out he's scared of snakes. He's phobic of snakes. And then in the next breath, we learn that this guy that we just saw like kicking ass in Peru is a college professor. And it's like, it's like, who is, I mean, and that's where, that's where I was trying my best to divorce myself from, from the franchise. I was like, put myself in the audience, you know, point of view from 1981 when this came out. I was like, who is? Is this guy right? He's one of my favorite characters, and and that's a big part of it. He he's got this mysterious thing about there him. Is like, isn't it? There is like he's this you know a, a badass in the jungle, but then he's this little professor with his suit. And he's life. so smart. <laughs> he that's is. the thing. He's smart, and he's also a little bit reluctant too. Mm-hmm. He's not one to re- he's not like you know striking hero poses and right. rushing into things. And I think he's one of the most important characters in cinema because, and I'll tell you why, because he's the link between James Bond, because James Bond is pretty, at, up to that point, was pretty indestructible. You know, the Connery Bond especially, you know. Uh, yeah, it was like cartoons, you know. Yeah, something might blow up, but he'd, he'd shrug it off and he'd, you know, go back on his way. Indy's like that, but Indy gets hurt. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was watching, I was like, Okay, if there's no Indiana Jones, there's no John McClane in Die Hard because yeah. think about think about that character because he's that's his MO is getting hurt. That's why you, right. you empathize with McClane and you empathize with Indy because he he does get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I think it plays into what Spielberg said about the character. Uh, the draw of Indy is that you think if you study hard enough and you work out enough, you can be him. And that's I think that's a little bit of it. But who is this guy? And forget everything you know about him. Forget everything you know about him in the rest of the franchise. Watch this movie and think about that. Who is this guy? This guy's <laughs> right? deadly and dangerous, and yet he's a college professor, you know, and 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 <laughs> incredibly intelligent, and a little bit of a son of a bitch too, you a know, little bit. a little bit, yeah. Little bit. And they and Spielberg frames him with that shadow on one side of his face. You see his shadow quite a bit mm-hmm. on the wall, and that's not because hey, look how badass that. No, there, there's a great effect going on with that. Like, it's it's cool. It is. It's cool. So with that said, let's talk about number three on the list, things that we we like about this movie, and that's the guy playing Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford uh, became a little bit known for American Graffiti from George Lucas. He played the antagonist in that, in that movie, as much as there is an antagonist in that movie. He's the rival drag racer that comes in to uh, go up against Paul LaMatt's character, but he really became a household name in 1977 with Star Wars from George Lucas. He played the character of Han Solo. Uh, how do you describe Han Solo? Um, everybody really is Luke Skywalker in their own lives, but they want to be Han Solo. <laughs> Nobody's as cool as Han Solo, right? Nope. <laughs> Han's the man. Yeah. Is he your favorite character from that from that movie? Han? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's a, he's a little bit of a son of a bitch, isn't he? Uh, I yeah. think he always is. <laughs> I think he always is, yeah. Yeah. Um, he so Star Wars made him a household name. He really wasn't a movie star uh, yet. He became, as I've said before to to a good friend of mine, when he the scene we just reenacted. Would you like to do it again? Yes. All right. Na, 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 na. I love you. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> that to me is when he becomes a real movie star. But this is what really solidifies him as. Yeah, he's in the vein of those old thirties and forties guys too, like Bogart and 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 men cut from that ilk. So. Um, 
So it's not this. It's not that he was like a the movie star that we know him today. This is really what put him on top of the yeah. mountain. But he brings everything to this, I think. So let's talk about Tom Selleck because because Tom Selleck had it mm-hmm. and couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If Tom Selleck had been in this movie, and I, I like Tom Selleck, yeah, I do too. I, I do too. There's I, there's nothing wrong with Tom Selleck. No, no. I think the movie would have been good. Yeah, I, I think this movie, because of the script, because of, of the direction, I think this movie would have been good. I don't think we would have gotten three other movies with another one on the way. No, I just, uh, the energy would have been different. Yeah. The presence of, of Tom Selleck wouldn't have been the same. So, I mean, would he have been good? Yeah, but. Oh, I I think the character was that well written that any, I, I'm not saying anybody, but I think. Right. If you just shown up and done an adequate job, you it, the movie would have. Mm-hmm. But he, it's he, he, him. It's we him. <laughs> I, and we were talking about it when we were watching it because it's all on him. And and I don't feel like he's acting in this. Mm-mm, and I know no. he is. And I know he. You know, I know yeah. that's not him. And but it's it's even just in the beginning when he turns around when you see him for the first time and in that in that close up and in that face and, and it's bathed in the shadow. You know. And you're going, who is this guy? And he plays it so perfectly. He plays, it's amazing. He plays him as both almost kind of like the protagonist and the antagonist. You know, he's, right. he's hero, <laughs> you know, cause he, he's, he's got son of a bitch in him. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really something. I think that's just built. I really, I think that's built into him. I think it point. is. I think it is too. I, I think it is too. Um, so, I, again, I think Tom Selleck would have made a nice movie, but I don't think it would have had the impact that it that it did. Of course, I could, could be completely wrong. In an alternate universe, it was, might have been bigger. I don't know, you know, but I, I don't think I don't think so. I don't know if this is the right word, but I don't feel like he would have brought the same like attitude that Harrison Ford has towards certain situations. Like, yeah. you know, it's like I just don't feel like it would have been right. I don't know. <laughs> Because I think so much of this comes from him. I think so, you too. You know, the the attitude that we love, the thing that we love about Indy is, you know, the moment when the uh, when there's the guy with the big sword and he just pulls out the gun and shoots him. <laughs> that is a Harrison Ford ad lib. Yeah. You know, that's, and so, so much of the character is, is <laughs> him. I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those historical what ifs, right? <laughs> I do know that Tom Selleck did an episode of Magnum PI where he went looking for something in Hawaii. It was around 88 when, cause the show was on like eight or nine years and uh, he did dress like Indy and kind of gave a little nod and a wink. So in a way he kind of did get to do it. I, and I, I feel bad for him in a way, you know, cause he was like that close to like yeah. this great character. But, but I, I do feel this worked out the way that it was supposed to work oh, out because so. Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Oh, like yeah. there's no getting uh, around it. <laughs> um, and the other great thing about this too is he's not Han Solo. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get Han Solo vibes from this. No, not at all. At all. You don't even think they're the same. Per- yeah, you don't think they're yeah. the same person at all. And the thing about Harrison is, I think he's. I think he's incredibly intelligent. In addition to being, mm-hmm. you know, the world's shyest, grumpiest man, <laughs> uh, I, I I buy him being smart. I buy this character being uh-huh. smart. All right. Well, I'm going to get up here. I'm going to teach, and then we're going to. Get behind the truck. All right. There we go. <laughs> Number four, uh, the score. I mean, John Williams did the music for this, the score. And we're going to talk about the score. It's actually in both sections, the horror <laughs> section. And, and I mean, it, it. Okay. So we were talking about Spielberg and Lucas being at the height of their power. John Williams was at the height of his powers too. Mm-hmm. Jaws, Star Wars, 
Close Encounters. He had done the Dracula film from 1979. We need to we need to watch that. And uh, Empire Strikes Back. Superman can't forget Superman. Nope. <laughs> and then he does this, and it, this is this is incredible. Mm-hmm. This this march. You know, he was in the Air Force. He wrote marches for the Air Force, so that 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 plays a lot into his affinity for the march and his. That's cool. His I didn't know that until we watched I'd, the movie. Yeah, I'd learned that. Yeah, that's really cool. But uh, this just, I mean. Everything in it, you know where you are just listening to the score. Oh, and I yeah. think I think with the trailer we listened to, that was a big part of it. You know, mm-hmm. at, right at the beginning of the show, you listen to it and it's like, oh, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> he's he's the maestro. We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about him, but he he definitely deserves a, a nod. He, oh, absolutely. he makes this what it is. Number five, Spielberg. Spielberg's direction. Um watch the scene where the two guys from the government are, are asking him to go look for the art and really break that down and break down where Indy is in the frame. I was, for all you cinephiles out there, it's, I'm going I'm to throw that out to you. Um, you could, Steven Soderbergh, the great director uh, from our area, actually grew up around Baton Rouge. Um, okay. He, uh, a few years ago, did a cut of uh, Raiders where he took all the color out he took all the sound out and he just put like a synth pulsing soundtrack. I was like, I don't, 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 don't like, and he just wanted to watch the movie as a silent movie for the staging of it. Like, cause he's like, I need to get better. He's like, he knew all about it. You know, that age, whatever. And, uh, but watch that scene, watch, uh, compare this to something modern. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know where everything is, you know, you could watch this with the sound off and you know exactly what's happening on this. Watch the scene with the truck where he, where he's getting on the truck, how, how that all plays out. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. I would, I would say damn near genius. It's, oh, yeah. it's cause in the lesser hands, I don't think this movie works the way that it does. Right. And this is the only one of his movies that he says is perfect. He says he wouldn't change a thing about it. He says it's, it's all, it's all right <laughs> the first time. So. Uh, I'm not going to argue with him no, on that. No, uh, Fantastic. So there you go. So five things we like about the movie. You got to give this movie its due. It's a it's a great. Yeah, there's action, romance, intrigue, mystery, supernatural element. Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. This is why we're doing this on the show. This movie's creepy as hell. This movie <laughs> yes, is creepy is. As hell. from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. The very beginning. So let's talk about it. number one: the temple introduction. Let's talk about getting to the temple. So anybody out there like, why are you doing the show? This is why we're doing this on the show. Watch the movie and, and then, you know, compare it to our notes. <laughs> yes. When you're trekking through the jungle, they're trekking through and the camera's like way far away. It's like we're watching, like they're being watched. Mm-hmm. We're the watchers, you know, and it's like any number of like 70s Italian cannibal, you know, <laughs> films, you know, like where you've got, you know, the point of view and they're about to, you know, prey upon uh-huh. the, the poor people and eat them. You know, why does that remind me of the Dan Aykroyd story from the great outdoors? You remember what the one he told? She's she's not. She's laughing. She can't get it out. And of course, there was a group of escaped army mental patients who found the family, preyed upon them, and ate them. And that story kept me up for a while. <laughs> yeah, but um, so that you know what you know what that reminded me of, even though this movie came out later, was Predator. Predator, I was thinking that Predator, too. right? And that's another movie. It's a science fiction movie with horrific overtime. We've done that on that was boy, that was God four years. That was one of the very <laughs> that might be the third show. I think it was. Uh, if you go back and listen to it, I apologize. Um, but. So you get all that, you know, and that's setting this mood and that music, like, it's like, Ooh, you know, and, and then you get to the temple itself and 
I mean, there's a guy who's impaled. First off, they go through. It's like Dracula's castle in in 31 in mm-hmm. Universal with all those cobwebs and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was I was looking. I was like, oh, that looks like a Universal movie. It, it and they does. go th- and they go through and then all the spiders. Okay, there's creepy. Craw- you got creepy crawlies, mm-hmm. and then you've got the booby traps. The spikes come out, and there's Forrestal, the guy that had gone in there before Indy. He's impaled on the thing. It's it's a dried out corpse. You know, you've got to go through the gauntlet of booby traps. And then, um, yeah, I guess maybe, you know, it's not exactly like horrific, but it's still terrifying. The big ball coming at you. It's kind of like a haunted house attraction. Really yeah. is like a haunted house. It's the vibe for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get out and you have, uh, you know, natives with pointing uh, poison spears at you, you know, and you run off and then there's a snake. I hate snakes. Ugh. And, uh, and it's absolutely horrific. But as we talked about with the script, perfect script, first 10 minutes tells you tells you the entire movie there's a haunted house creepy element to this movie yeah absolutely there is uh number two uh it's a ghost story this thing's a ghost story think about the scene where he opens up that book and uh you see the picture of the ark and the ark is just wreaking havoc upon those poor people and but it's not just that you feel the presence of the ark throughout the entire film yeah you do and it's like something um the sixth sense let's let's take that for example where you know that's a supernatural thing going in right right and you feel that presence throughout the entire movie there's a sense of foreboding over this movie and and, yeah. and this and there's little touches throughout the movie like su- like a supernatural film like something out of like the hammer vein you know like when Marion has the headpiece to the staff of Ra and she's looking at it and that candle flickers mm-hmm. and the wind blows. Or when he's talking to the uh, Egyptian gentleman about the headpiece of the staff of Ra and those chimes, yep. you know, and they mention something about the ark and the chimes go. Or when they're digging for the ark and they're about to go down and get the ark and that storm cloud comes. There's like this sense of supernatural foreboding over this entire movie that, that it seems to emanate from the ark itself. Right. You know. Uh, am I am I off on that? Oh no, not at all. <laughs> yeah. What what was it about what was it to you that was so creepy about this? I mean, j- like you said just the beginning, just starting this movie off, it's it, it's I wouldn't say dark, but it's got some dark elements to it, but it's creepy. It is creepy. And you're right, it does have this this overtone of you can feel It's it's hanging on it. it. It's it's just hanging on it. And yeah. You can feel it through the whole movie. <laughs> Because, you know, and, and if you compare this one to, like, Temple, Temple's horrific. I oh, mean, yeah. we did Temple on, on this. We might want to revisit it at some point. That, to me, is like an out-and-out kind of horror movie. Oh, yeah. You know, but you get away from that in Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. You know, you get away from it in Crystal Skull, you know, and, yeah, they're doing another one. We'll, we'll talk. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry <laughs> about that. But, um, yeah, there's this real sense that it's, it's it, this movie's rough around the edges, and then it's got this creep vibe going yeah. going to it you know and we talked about this when we did ghostbusters on the show if you play ghostbusters a little bit to the right it's a straight horror movie if you play it a little bit to the left it's a little too funny you know mm-hmm. and it strikes that blend of horror and comedy and this this is another movie if you played it a little to the right it probably could have been a little more out and out horrific it could have been oh, yeah. you know a little more terrifying i think yeah but as it is it's it's definitely creepy yeah it's it's got there's a vibe to it that's that's unsettling let's say that's 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 a perfect word it's definitely unsettling i don't i I don't like you said earlier i don't see how it's a family friendly movie and we'll get to that at number four 
we will definitely get to that at number four. So number three, we're gonna we're gonna revisit this. The John Williams score. John Williams has a piece of music in this movie that is now my new favorite piece of John Williams music. It is the theme for the Ark of the Covenant. There's there's four main themes in this movie, and lay motif is what they call it. It's a yeah, academic musical term. Yeah, it goes back to Wagner and whatever. No, it, a lay motif though is is a theme assigned to a character or a situation or a place or whatever. Uh, you know, you want to uh, ascribe it to. Uh, so. The lay motif for Indiana Jones, and this is the, of course, the famous mm-hmm. dun 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 dun. Everybody knows that. Marion Ravenwood has has a motif. That is gorgeous, isn't it? Doesn't that remind you of the 30s and 40s? Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it's great because what I love about Williams is not only is he working in the vernacular of the orchestra, he's working in the vernacular of the time period the film is in too, right. which is wonderful. I think that uh, true genius, mm-hmm. that man's true oh, genius. Absolutely. The Nazis have a little theme. Uh, it's not much to it, kind of militaristic, mm-hmm. but there's a theme in here for the Ark of the Covenant. It's like four or five notes. Da, 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 da. And then for all you music aficionados, it's uh, two minor chords, and the two minor chords are a tritone apart. It's C minor to F sharp minor. And you get snippets of it. So we're talking about being a ghost story. Well, those moments where the supernatural element is is at play, mm-hmm. John Williams brings that theme in. And as I was talking about, the it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. There's so many wonderful scenes in this movie. When the agents come to talk to him and he opens up that book because it's all quiet as they're talking about headpieces to the staff of Ra. They're talking about Tannis. They're talking about Abner Raywood. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is that Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. And when he opens up that book, he starts that music. And, you know, this is not something to be messed with. No. This is <laughs> not something to be messed with. It is a wonderful piece of music. And so... For all of you out there going, ah, oh, come on, you know, it's not a horror. Yeah, well, I actually did something. I, I I took 10 minutes out of my very busy day. I took 10 minutes out of waking up and then taking a nap. <laughs> and what I did was I took the bare bones. I just took, I took the melodic uh, language of the Ark of the Covenant theme. And I arranged it as a John Carpenter piece of music. So you tell me. Is this a horror movie or is it not? Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to play it right now. Okay. All right, here we go. sounds like something between escape from new york and and, and halloween. halloween yeah right <laughs> and that's that's the little arc theme so i mean note to self rescore raiders of the lost ark with john william not john william, john carpenter synthesizers <laughs> that's amazing isn't that cool but it's like it's like oh yeah it's creepy oh yeah yeah it's creepy and uh what's great is you don't really hear that in its full glory the the theme 
until the very end of the movie. You get little pieces of mm-hmm. it, and then it erupts, and it actually leads into number four. So uh, things that make this movie horrific, heads exploding. Oh, yeah. There are heads that explode, <laughs> faces melting, heads exploding, and you get the full uh, iteration of that theme during that scene as as God unleashes his wrath on the Nazi party. <laughs> it's glorious. <laughs> And if anybody deserves having the wrath of God unleashed upon them, it's Nazi. It's the Nazi party. Yeah. <laughs> Can we just appreciate the fact that the Nazis are the bad guy in this? Because, like, of course it's the Nazis. Of course. of course. Now, you know, Hitler actually did look for the Ark. That's, that's, there's no BS with that. He actually did. Uh, he was, he really was a nut for the occult, as they say. Uh, his, you know, coming from Madame Blavatsky and that whole, uh, is it the Vril Society? I think I, it's, it's escaping me. I don't have any notes on that. It just came to me. I don't know why we, why we didn't talk about that tonight. Um, cause we'd be here for a while, but the ending of this, it, that, that is, that, that is terrifying. I mean, you know, our two main characters close their eyes. The power of God comes out of this. The, the beautiful angelic, uh, Angel lady turns into a skeleton and, and that music starts and they scream and they melt and the jello's everywhere and then the heads explode. It's so cool. And they get blown back to God. <laughs> I mean it's it's but it's like, oh, this is a family movie. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. the heads explode. Now the censors were okay with it because it was happening to the Nazis. Because okay. the Nazis deserve it. Uh, uh, okay. Right. And there's an interesting twist there with the Holocaust, you know, with the ovens and things like that. And here the Nazis are getting burned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with that. <laughs> I'll buy yeah, that. That's one of the themes of the movie. Uh, but uh, the scourge of humanity gets theirs. <laughs> that should have been the tagline on the poster. The scourge of humanity gets theirs. <laughs> you know, Jake and Elwood Blues, they hate Nazis too. Yes, they, they do. They especially hate Illinois Nazis. Yes. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, come on, the heads, I mean, that is, that is terrifying. So we have, we have the intro in the temple. We have that music throughout. We have, uh, inklings that there's a spirit at work in this movie. And then we have the spirit unleashed and it destroys the Nazis. (laughs) That's four. That's four. That's four. Number five. Faith, you know what number five is? The What's Ark itself. The Ark itself. Okay. So this thing's terrifying. Oh, it is. This thing's absolutely terrifying. I, I was doing some research on this. If if you've never really looked this up, you you oh. So uh in the book of Exodus, there are explicit instructions on how it is to be built, which is basically a three by five box. How it looks in the movie is is actually like mm-hmm. how it probably looked. Mm-hmm. Uh, acacia wood and gold. Couldn't touch it. Couldn't look in it. What was in it? Well, the second set of Ten Commandments, because there was one that I think that was destroyed, and then the second set was put in there, and then Aaron's budding staff that I think could turn into a serpent, if I'm not mistaken, if I if I know my my, my Bible, which I really don't. Um, but uh, there are a lot of theories as what this was because it was said that they could use this. There was the called the seat of mercy where they had those two angels with the wings, you know, going like this mm-hmm. and uh, they could create a, a current and they could actually communicate with God. Okay. Right there. They communicate with a, with a form uh, there. It would create an energy and they could talk to God. 
there are stories throughout history. This is, you know, like uh, the Philistines stole the Ark and then mysterious things started happening as in livestock started dying, people started dying, the, the river dried up. So they sent the Ark back to the Israelites, knowing full well the Israelites could use the Ark to destroy them. Um, and why did the Philistine, Philistines, uh, uh, why did they steal the Ark in the first place? Well, the Israelites rolled it out to use against them. But God had not sanctioned that because the Ark could lay waste, you know, to, to armies, as they say in the movie. But they weren't authorized to do it, so the Philistines were able to steal it, and then they just gave it back. And 70 people saw it. It was coming down the road, and they walked up, and they looked at it, and they all died. One of the priests, one of the priests, uh, uh, one of the priests uh, of the ark touched it, and he immediately just burned from the inside out. Oh my god! Right, Uh, the priest when it was in the holy of holies, when it was in the temple, uh, they would have a rope attached to them because if they went in there and they accidentally touched it or looked at it or something happened, they had a bell attached to the rope, and if they died, they'd hear the bell, so they could just pull the body out. (laughs) If there was a body. Wow. Uh, it, it is, it is absolutely intriguing to me. It is, it is, it is a sort well, not just me for, you know, millennia, this thing has been, yeah. but I, you know, I'm not going to have a theological debate here on the show. I don't want you, you know, that turns off a lot of people. So let me just say this. It's really strange to me when, you know, you talk about the benevolent creator, co-creator God, you know, mm-hmm. you know, friend, Father, mm-hmm. you know, source of comfort, and uh, there's this real wrath of God right? device. It, it's weird, you know. And if you want to do some research on the Gnostics, you know, the Gnostics said that the God of the Old Testament was not actually the God, the spark of creation it was actually uh, a false god, a false being, a being that claimed itself to be God. They call it the Demiurge, and. Uh, you know, it's really weird if you look at the God of the Old Testament, and the God of the New Testament. It's completely different. You know, so what's going on there? This thing is weird. It's weird. This this whole Ark of the Covenant it business is. is weird. And there's a great episode of Ancient Aliens on that. Of course, Giorgio says it's aliens because that's what he's supposed to do. Because the meme wouldn't ring true if he didn't say it was <laughs> aliens. But um, it's creepy. It really it's is. It's creepy. It's it's really creepy. Now there was a cut scene from the movie where Andy, when he's talking to the old man in Egypt, and he says, and, you know, the headpiece says, "Don't touch, don't look," you know, and it's actually in the Bible, "Don't touch, don't look." Mm-hmm. So he knew that, but I like the fact that they cut that because he actually, uh, unlike the Nazis, he actually has an appreciation. He he uh, he's what's the word I'm looking for? He's humble in the face of this great power, right? And shuts his eyes. So I think I think that really works for his character too. Mm-hmm. I think it's neat the way he and the Ark are kind of tied together in this movie too. You know, yeah. uh, uh, shadows and illumination. It's mm-hmm. it, it's cool. It's cool. But it's cool. that thing that thing actually scares the hell out of me. Me too. It's it's terrifying. Well, what, you what? you had texted me all the stuff about it and like how creepy it was. So I started looking up stuff too, and I was just like, wow, that's. It's horrifying. It is horrifying. Look it up when you get when you get some time. And these things are in the Bible. Like like there's there's stories of this in the Bible and in the historical texts. It's weird. It, it's weird. It, that's the thing. It's weird. And they claim that uh, it went to Japan, and maybe it did. Yeah. You know, and they claim maybe there was more than one because mm-hmm. uh, it does get lost in history. Uh, 
with King Solomon. And then, but some people say it's in Japan. Some people say that it's in Ethiopia. I actually believe it might be in Ethiopia. Now, what here's what's weird about it is they think it's at this little church and they have a, a priest that got that guards it. That's its caretaker, let's say. And uh, these these men don't live very long. These men usually have eye problems. Interesting. It sounds nuclear. That it's it, it, it does. The whole damn thing is weird. And then it's a bigger discussion. I am a nut. Faith knows this, but uh, that there's a lost history. We have a lot. There's a lost mm-hmm. human history, and I think this thing plays a huge part in it. So that it's it's. Sense. But creepy, it's, yeah. it's creepy, creepy, creepy. And it's a mystery. Yeah. And it's a mystery. <laughs> Except to Indiana Jones who found it. So there you go. Five reasons why we think this is is a... Well, it's not a horror film. I'm, I'm not saying it is a horror film, but man, it's got some really strong horror elements. Yes, it does. Not as outright and overt as Temple of Doom, but more. it's more of the, the cerebral, I think, kind of kind of horror. So good stuff. Oh yeah, it really is good stuff. But when you watch this, it's it's creepy, it's creepy. It is it's creepy stuff. I love it. So <laughs> that's it. That's that's why. Um, real quick before we get to the to the big finish here, uh, favorite moments in the movie. You have anything favorite? Favorite lines? Favorite moments? I have I have a few things What's I really yours? like. Um, so one of my favorite moments is when he does open the the book that we were talking about, and mm-hmm. there's a picture of the Ark, and Denham Elliott, who we talked about, who's, who's great in this, and the two government agents see the Ark, and they go, what's that coming out of the Ark? And, and he's like, I don't know, lightning, fire, power of God. And one of the guys goes, good God. And, and Denham Elliott goes, yes, that's just what the Hebrews thought. Like, I, think that is, <laughs> I think that is a killer line. I think um, uh, Major Tote, uh, the Nazi guy in the in the in the black coat, uh, mm-hmm. with you think it's an instrument of torture? It's his uh, coat hanger. I think that's a great <laughs> bit. That was cut from 1941. Uh, Christopher Lee was going to do that bit in 1941. Uh, we haven't really talked about her much. We need to. Karen Allen. Oh, Karen yeah. Karen Allen is is absolutely brilliant in this movie. The whole cast is Paul Freeman is Belloc is great. The whole, we were talking about Andy, the whole yin and yang with Belloc, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that's really cool. You know? Um, yeah. Everything just works so well. It really, together. it really does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good God. That's just what the Hebrews thought. Indy <laughs> throwing the gun, you know what a cautious guy I am. That's, that's great. My favorite line in the movie though, is when, they uh they throw him in the well of souls and uh and he I goes think this is my favorite and he line goes too. uh yeah perhaps in a thousand years you'll be worth something he goes <laughs> son of a bitch like yeah, that. I love it <laughs> that's right up there with them oh shit in temple of doom <laughs> that's right up there with that one but uh yeah there's there's so much but the ending I I love the ending when too. they put it in the warehouse and you go well what else do they have <laughs> right. What else is in there? <laughs> hmm. No, I love them going into the temple. I love the exploding heads. And I love the ending. I, I just love the whole movie. The whole movie. It's, it's so it, good. It, it really is. It was the number one movie that year. It's one of the top 25 or 30 highest grossing pictures of all time, rightfully so. It's 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 a classic. It's withstood the test of time. It's always going to withstand the test of time. And it's because of the writing, the acting, the score. Everything, everything in this movie is, is hitting on a 10 everybody in it is great uh nothing there's there's no chuff on this you know everything it's lean it's mean a little rough around the edges uh and you got a great character 
right in the center of it. And you have a great, uh, great actor, you know, sinking his teeth into it. And uh, it's, it's fabulous. It's a fabulous <laughs> it movie. This is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And I think part of the reason is people like to be creeped out. And this movie does have some really creepy elements. And again, I'm, I am conceding that it is not a horror movie, but man, is it creepy and scary in some places. And yep. I think it does, it should be celebrated for, for having those elements mm-hmm. a little more. You're right. So there you go. Well, this movie has the world's most famous ophidiophobe. <laughs> I said it right? Yeah, ophidiophobe. Yes. Usually, uh, back in the day, we would do news. We're not going to do news tonight. We're going to do the top 10 phobias. I actually have a little theme for it. Well, it's not really a theme. It's a little, it's a little segment. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. There's a big snake in the plane, Jock! Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! I hate snakes, Jock! I hate them! Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? I hate them, too. Me, too. I hate them, too. All right, here we go. We have a list of the top ten phobias. <laughs> let, us know, uh, let us know where you are on this list. Uh, Faith, I have a feeling you're going to have some trouble with some of these. So I'll, I'll, oh, I don't I'll, think so. Oh, okay. Um, well, you want to you wanna read it, and I'll say sure. what, what it's, what's fear of? No, all right, this is counting down from ten, yes. and then we're going to say what our phobias are. All right, number ten. Misophobia. That is the fear of germs, dirt, and contaminants. You're not a mesophobe, but boy, you you certainly do not like dirt and dust. No, I'm, I'm allergic to dust, so it's not really a, a friend of mine. Then you get a pass. <laughs> All right, number nine. Agoraphobia. That is the fear of places that are difficult to escape, crowded or open spaces. You know, and I thought that was a fear of people. I thought it was a, a fear of like being out. Or being I don't know. Out, yeah. Yeah, like. That's, that's amazing though. The, the the that's a wide spectrum there. Crowded or open space. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Number eight. Social phobia. The fear of social interactions. I'm not scared of social interactions. I just don't like people. Me neither. I like about five of them. <laughs> right. I like uh, Louisiana Public Broadcasting Deputy Director Matt Tessier. I don't even know him, and I like him. Yeah, you should. <laughs> He's a good guy. Uh, let's see. Number seven. Trypanophobia. I had this when I was a kid. Injections. I still have this. I, I, I do not like getting stuck I've with injections. I've never had a problem injections. with injections. I am not a fan. Number six. Astrophobia. Thunder and lightning. Had a dog that was an astrophobe. I like thunder and lightning. So. I like it too. Number five. Cynophobia. Dogs. What's wrong with you people? I know. Be afraid of cats. <laughs> wrong with you people. Number four. Aerophobia. Flying. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I. I'm not a big fan of the flying. I'm definitely, yeah, not a fan of crashing. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> uh, number three. Acrophobia as a fear of heights. Um, I can do without heights. Yeah, I can do without yeah. heights. I don't know that I'm phobic of it, but I can do without heights. Uh, number two, here we go. Ophidiophobia as the fear of snakes. Yeah, that we'll we talk about share. we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, number one, arachnophobia. That's uh, the fear of spiders. Also a pretty good little movie. Uh, okay, so. Anything on there, you, outside of ophidiophobia? No. Yeah. No, I really, I, I don't like getting stuck with anything. Um, well, I have stuff that's not on this list, but besides snakes. Okay. What, uh, what, are, what are you scared of? 
be claustrophobia. Claustrophobia. Yeah, is I'm surprised one. that's not on here. That's a big one for me. Yeah. And it, it's not a, a major. It's more just kind of like eh, I don't really like it. It's uh, pediophobia. It's dolls. Dolls. Yeah. yeah I don't good. like dolls. Um, I I don't like crossing bridges. I I it's not. I, I wouldn't say I'm phobic though. I just I'm really uncomfortable crossing bridges. I don't know. You know they say your phobias are your past life experiences. What do you think? That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe a doll murdered me or something. Could be. Could be, know. or you were the doll that murdered somebody. <laughs> I am an ophidiophobe. I do not like snakes. I do not yeah. trust any animal that does not have shoulders. <laughs> right? I do not like them. No. Um, I don't like anything about them. Mm-hmm. I uh, Somebody brought their pet snake to biology class in high school one time, oh, and I turned just about white. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to see them. I don't want people telling me, oh, but they eat things that are bad for the environment. I don't, I don't care. care. Let them go on their way, you know? Uh, you know, uh, possums do the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> No, I can't look at them. And they're light. so ugly, they're cute. Right? Yeah. But, yeah, but no, uh, snakes are just snakes, disgusting. I can't, yeah. I can't. I, rats don't bother me. Mm-mm. Spiders don't bother me. Mm-mm. Yeah, roaches, I, I don't want to be around a roach, but roaches don't. Yeah, like don't, a lot of people are afraid of bugs in general, yeah. but they don't bother me. <laughs> bugs, bugs really don't bother me. But I mean, I don't want them all over the place, but. I'm not a big fan of reptiles in general, but okay. snakes, snakes are no, no bueno. Mm-mm. No good. Mm-mm. No good. Do not like them. That scene. It was so funny. I wish we had put a camera on us when we were watching this and they go down to the well of souls and they show all the snakes because both of us were just covering our <laughs> like eyes, looking, looking away. away. It was kind of like, oh, oh it's no, like, come on, come no, on. Just this is just so much overkill. <laughs> um, yeah, we didn't uh, talk about the horrific elements in the movie. That is one that is just absolutely horrific. Oh, all God. the snakes. And then, you know, they go through that wall and they're in the little thing with all the corpses and the snakes are coming through. And it's like, ugh, ugh. I feel like there's a lot going on for me there. It's like you're trapped with snakes and then you're trapped. It's like, yeah, I don't know if that would be agoraphobia where like, yeah, it's a place you can't escape from. But it's like, oh, that's uh-uh. I don't like and that. Something, <laughs> something just hit me that uh, we didn't. I, I just realized this. We were talking about the the horrific elements in the movie, you know, and it's working on really two levels of horror because there's supernatural horror and then there's mm-hmm. that fear level of horror. So you have the creepy crawlies with the snakes and the spiders mm-hmm. and those kind of things. And then you have that supernatural element with just the eerie sense of dread over the over the movie. Right. So that's really two layers they're working, which I think it's really great. It's oh, yeah. it's it's really it's really a, a this is a great movie. But yes, I, I do think it, it it should get a little more love as for its horrific overtones. Yeah. Which is why we're love. celebrating it here on the late night fright. And it needed a little less snakes. Ah, just a just a just a few less. So like why couldn't it have been like, you know, bunny rabbits or something? <laughs> bunnies. Why did it have to be bunnies? Killer bunny. Killer bunny. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I think I think I think they should call the next indie movie Indiana Jones in the nap of the afternoon. <laughs> I'm gonna take a nap now. <laughs> Class is dismissed. <laughs> oh boy, uh, less said about that though. The oh, better. Man. So uh, thank you all for tuning in. We it has been a while, and 
life gets in the way sometimes. And uh, to be honest, we it, a little break was was really nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we're back with a renewed sense of passion and hopefully a little vim and vigor. And we are going to be doing this show about once a month. It's mm-hmm. going to be a once a month thing. That way we can do the best show that we can do. It fits in our schedule. We're not trying to, you know, make a deadline that we're imposing on ourselves. Uh, the numbers have been so steady since we've been gone. And I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and listening and supporting the show. It really does mean a lot. And, um, so we did Raiders this time. We will be back in a few weeks with uh, a real horror movie. And we have a couple movies that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And I think you're all going to be really happy with with those picks. And so we're going to make a pick and, uh, and figure out which one. But uh, I, not to spill the beans, but we're pretty sure it's going to be a John Carpenter movie. <laughs> so there you go. It's, but we're not giving anything but away. But we're not giving anything away. So... Uh, really appreciate you tuning in. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. You know, there's a lot of options out there for your entertainment. And listen, times are hard and weird. And, uh, you know, all we want to do is bring a little smile to your face right now. And we want to share our love of these, these films and things that we see. And our goal with this has always been to just maybe help you see it in a different way. And, and that's all. We just want to share our love for these movies. Yeah. One thing we figured out a long time ago doing this show, uh, it was right towards the beginning. And we did a couple of movies that we just didn't like. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to do this. No. I, don't, I don't want to sit here and like crap on, on movies that I don't like. Because for two reasons. One, I don't want to waste my time talking about something I don't exactly. like. And number two, somebody out there really likes it, mm-hmm. probably really likes it. And I don't want to like take a big, you know. Right. Uh, you know, I want to kick that movie in the crotch. Like, you know, somebody. Yeah, because no I don't to insult everybody. Yeah, people. I don't like when people talk about movies that I. You know, I have some guilty pleasures. You know, but mm-hmm. y- you know, and it's like let's just try to be positive with these things. You know, and 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 do movies that um that we, we like enjoy, and yeah. and we can sink our teeth into and 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 get some you know find some things mm-hmm. in there and kind of go a little deeper with with some of the things with it. So. Um, but thank you all for hanging out. Thank you all for, for being patient. I did have a few people ask us, you know, when are we coming back? And, and we're back. And uh, we will be back very shortly with another movie. And like I said, this one, uh, we're, we're leaning John Carpenter. Yeah. We're, we're definitely leaning Carpenter. But we have a couple of good ones uh, uh, picked out as well. So um, that's about it. Do you have anything you want to tell think, them? I think that's it. I think that's it too. So. One more time to the deputy director of Louisiana Public Broadcasting, Matt Tessier. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope so. We hope you enjoyed it. You know, he uh, he said uh, that uh, I have the voice for this. And, you do. And, well, guess what? I also have a face made for radio. So <laughs> joke's on him. Very true. Joke's <laughs> on him. That's right. That's, that's right. Uh, we have a little thing we do here. So uh, let's, you know, should we do our recitation? We should, we should do our recitation sure. that we've done. Before we do that, be good to yourself. Be good to your neighbor. We're all we've got. So, so that's it. That's our, that's our parting thought. And uh, yeah. That's it. Down with the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Faith, go ahead. Are we doing our, our, we're doing our thing? We're doing our, we're doing our little recitation. Am yeah. I going to remember it? I hope you do. Let's see. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire specter. Wait, no, that's not it. What is it? Be you vampire, spook, spook specter, specter, or, or beast. beast. Always remember, 
Keep your monster on a leash. It's been six months. Okay? It's been six months. It's good to be back. We will see you real soon. I'm Dan. And I'm Faith. See you next time. <laughs>